I've been preaching through the uh, letter of Paul to the Philippians this Epiphany in Lent at Kenilworth Union Church. And a couple of weeks ago, we came upon a quintessentially Lenten or Monday, Thursday or Good Friday text right in the middle of chapter 2 of Paul's brief thank you note to his friends at Philippi. There is this ancient Christological hymn. We don't think Paul wrote this hymn. We think he inherited it. It's probably a hymn they actually set to music and sang during their worship services. So it's possible that the text that I'm going to read in just a moment from Philippians 2 goes back further and is closer to the actual time of Jesus Christ than anything we have in the New Testament. And a couple of weeks ago I looked at at this with you and I noticed the U-shaped trajectory of this journey in this text a U-shaped or a V-shaped journey. Jesus starts on high in heaven with God, descends to earth to be with us for a time, and then ascends again to return to the glory of God. So listen for that U-shaped or V-shaped trajectory in this beautiful hymn. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count Equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, yea, even to the death of a slave. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. For Christ Jesus, writes St. Paul, being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. Apparently, God chooses to work most frequently not through the love of power, but through the power of love. In Martin Luther's stark but apt words, God carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse. That is to say, God's power is to be found in weakness. God forswears the strong and the able to work instead with the defenseless and the unassuming. And we know God best in that baby born to a stable who grew up to befriend the friendless and to love the unlovable and to grace the ungraceful and then who died this death of a slave on Golgotha, that skull-shaped heap of rocks with the ugly name. It's not the way of the world. We are from top to bottom in our society enamored with power When Bill Clinton was president, he took a trip to Bangladesh, and one stop on his itinerary was to be to a tiny impoverished village so that he could hear the people's troubles. But at the last instant, Bill Clinton's security detail canceled that stop because the risks were too high. On the morning of the scheduled visit, a young farmer named Osman Ghani walked seven miles to catch a glimpse of the American president. Mr. Ghani said with passion, Bill Clinton is the most important man in the world. 
it would have been the most memorable event in my life to see this great man. And then the reporter asked Osman what would have, have to serve instead as the most memorable event in his life. And Osman thought about that for a moment and looked at the villagers gathered around them as if they would naturally share his sentiment and said with certainty, for me, the most memorable event in my life was the morning I walked seven miles and almost saw President Clinton. From highest to lowest and richest to poorest, that is the way of the world. And perhaps that's natural and good, right? There's nothing inherently virtuous or attractive about poverty and failure. But when days are dark or when you are afraid or when you feel like a failure, it's sometimes good to know that God carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse. God has no idea what to do with a perfect, richly grained block of mahogany. God does not want to ride Secretariat or Smarty Jones. And so if you feel you've hit rock bottom and if you have plummeted to one of life's nadirs, if you have been in the valley of the shadow of despair for what seems like forever, just remember that God carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse and that life's trajectory is U-shaped or V-shaped and God goes down to the nethermost with us even when it seems as if, like Jesus, we have descended into hell. And I don't know what that means in the wake of the terrorist attacks in Brussels this sad Holy Week. In a way, it seems almost shabby to try to find meaning in that obscenity. Primo Levi was a devout Jew before he experienced the Holocaust. And after he survived Auschwitz, barely, he dropped his Jewish faith because, he said, any faith which tries to explain the murder of six million people is senseless and cheap. Still, that is our faith, yes? On May 6, 1944, a 15-year-old boy jumped down from a cattle car and went through the gates of Auschwitz with his father and mother and his younger sister. And then he says he heard the eight words that changed his life forever. Men to the left, women to the right. And that was the last moment he saw his mother and his younger sister. And he goes a little further into the camp and there's another division wearing a ridiculous golden monocle and holding, now get this, a conductor's baton as if he were Ricardo Muti himself. There stands Joseph Mengele, the infamous Nazi angel of death, pointing this way and that, strong and able to the right, weak and sick to the left. And so all the new Trier kids will know that this 15-year-old boy's name is Eliezer because they have read his books and heard him speak. He was at Auschwitz for 18 months, 
two older sisters survived the war with him. His mother, father, and younger sister did not. He wouldn't talk about these experiences for 10 years. But then in the late 50s, he writes this little book of about 100 pages, originally written in French, with a simple title, Night. And it's a letter from prison. On this side of the Atlantic, it was rejected by 15 publishers until a tiny New York house picked it up and agreed to pay Eliezer a modest token advance of $100. Reviews were great, but sales were terrible. The first print run was 3,000 copies, and it took them three years to sell out. And then, for whatever reason, it sort of caught on. And by 2006, it had sold 7 million copies. And then Oprah Winfrey chose it for her book club and sold another 3 or 4 million copies for Eliezer. It spent the next 80 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Every Good Friday, I think of the most famous passage from Eliezer Wiesel's Night about the day the POWs watched the hanging of three fellow prisoners. Two of them die very quickly, but the third is just a child, and his body is too light for his neck to snap, and it takes him 30 minutes to suffocate to death. And someone behind Eliezer says, in despair and to no one in particular, where is God? And a voice inside Eliezer answers, where is God? Here he is, hanging on those gallows. I don't know what Eliezer Wiesel meant by that. Probably he meant that God died that day on those gallows with that innocent child. That's what Primo Levi would have said at Auschwitz. The Nazis succeeded in killing the Jewish and Christian God. After Auschwitz, God is dead, literally dead. Maybe that's what Eliezer meant. But every Good Friday, I hear something else in Dr. Wiesel's story. Maybe he didn't even know the truth he was speaking, that the God who had once been hanged on a gallows himself was watching there that day with this innocent child. God carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse. And Christ Jesus, being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and became obedient even to death on a cross. And so God has reached the absolute nadir of human existence. You cannot go lower than Golgotha. As the ancient creed puts it, he descended into hell. And so we will live with that truth for three days, and then we will witness this sharp ascent back to glory. Therefore, God has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.